uh, begins with one simple word, and that is expectations. Uh, expectations are everything, okay, are everything. And um, at times, we leave church disappointed. Just going to be honest about that. We all, at different points in times in our life, leave church disappointed. Usually it's because we didn't connect with the style of songs or the song selection. I remember being a little kid going to church, and uh, they had drums at the church my parents went to, and I was taking drum lessons. And if the song did not have something that was uh, awesome for the drummer, I just remember just kind of just being like, Phew. I had favorite songs. There's a song that um, I would love to play here at some point in time, not me personally, but it's called The Blood Melody, and it's a version of There's a Fountain, uh, and all of those hymns kind of combined together. Um, and it's just one of my favorite songs. So we look forward to that. I remember being a kid, and uh, they did an order of service where you know which praise songs were going to be played. And so I'd look through the bulletin right when I got there to see if my song was in there, uh, whether it was or wasn't. Um, Maybe we've left disappointed over that. Maybe we've left disappointed over the sermon uh, being inadequately prepared. Or uh, how about this? It wasn't what we needed, right? So the sermon message that day just wasn't what we needed. We leave disappointed. Uh, I would just say that expectations for church life are extremely high. Would you agree? We come into church with almost higher expectations. Talk to me about why you think church expectations are higher than maybe perhaps what we would do other places. Or have other places. I think because I'm used to it. I'm used to a high quality church. Okay. So if it doesn't reach that, then it's like, you know, then we're tempted to be disappointed if we have the wrong perspective. I'm not saying you, but Doug. Right. We don't, we don't uh, you know, add God to the recipe, even in our Sunday morning expectations uh, at times. Yes? The wrong... Yes. Right. We're coming for a person, right? And there is a celebrity... Uh, attitude that we have uh, in the American church that we look forward to just that that one guy and so uh, it's been great to do membership interviews and uh, people that, that want to be members and to be able to tell them all the bad things up front so if you just like one preacher this is not the church for you if you're not okay with multiple men leading the service in worship not the church for you if you like it to be polished and professional and everything to go smoothly not the church for you and it's just great at the front door to be able to say, but if you care about what is important on how we define important, then we'd love to have you here. And it is just so, it, it turns off sometimes a lot of snobs, um, and, uh, and it engages people that, that really just want to get to work and, and to come here. Best lunch I've had in a long time, young college student, involved in ministry, like in it. And I asked him, what have you learned now that you're out, uh, not, not, and, and you're in ministry, you're not just coming to youth group and consuming, but you're trying to provide ministry. Young man's a thoughtful young man, pauses, reflects, perhaps almost like for a second too long, I'm like, oh no, I asked him like too hard of a question. He goes, well, I guess I could sum it up to you like this, the Great Commission isn't about you. 
the Great Commission isn't about you. Ministry isn't about you. So he's seen different people leave the ministry. They're low on staff because they didn't get the right spot, the right position, the right whatever. Great. And I just said, I'm going to try to show you as much emotion as you can handle because this young man, you know, isn't really an emotional kind of guy. But I was ready to sit up like at Chipotle and be like, this guy needs a burrito. This guy, you know, let's everybody buy him lunch. You realize what he just said. This is awesome. And it blessed my heart. But I think we have a lot of expectations from a worship gathering because it is worship and it's our spiritual life and it's eternity. And we expect it to be that kind of quality. And so uh, why, why do we gather here every Sunday? Let's just begin with that. What are things that you expect when we come to a worship gathering? What are expectations you have of what makes this a biblical worship gathering? Yes. Okay, th there's a time of sharing God's word. Sure. What else do you expect? Okay, we expect an offering. There is a microphone. We're doing pretty good. I'll, I'll repeat it until there's like a, someone that wants to give a sermon. Great. Yes. Okay, so you come expecting to serve, to use your spiritual gifts. Great. Okay, you, want, you expect to go home and be able to think about something. Yeah, something that would stick with you. Yeah. Great. Being challenged. Okay. Yes. Fellowship. Yeah, just to be with other believers. It can get lonely through the week, right? Yeah, I've been at the lunchroom table with you, and it can be a little lonely in what we can contribute to some of those conversations, right? Um, what else? Coffee? <laughs> Food? <laughs> Drink? Okay, which provides, you know, the context for relationships to happen. Um, did somebody else say something at the same time? To actually worship God. Now, I don't think there's any of those that we would disagree with, but then when we talk about our expectations, we expect those biblical categories to be there. Prayer, Bible reading, hearing God's word, serving, fellowship, giving, all of those things are, are things that we all expect that, that create worship. But then we talk about the style in which they are expressed or how we express those things. And all of a sudden now, we really get into our expectations because it wasn't done the way that we prefer to give or the way that we prefer to worship. And so there's actually a book called Worship Wars and, uh, and, and those kinds of things uh, because of our expectations are in them. So I want to give you a visual just to think about this. This plus this plus one bag that is in my office, okay? Uh, I'll be honest, all right? This isn't all, but this is what my kids got in their stocking from their grandparents. Wow. Good grandparents. Now, some of you are, are in here, and you're thinking, like, can I get some? And the answer is yes, okay? Because if you answer correctly, I'll be throwing these things, or if you answer at all, we'll be throwing these things out to you. hope you can catch. Um, my wife sent them to work with me and said, get this out of our house, okay? And so it's been in a bag in my office uh, for a, a week, and the kids um, love coming, and they know where the candy drawer is. But this is a little much. Would you agree? No. That's a little much. Would you consider this a well-balanced diet? <laughs> um, pretty close, okay. So um, 
there are movies, uh, or at least a movie, that is relatively famous from the Christmas time period where there is a, uh, an elf-like character uh, that all he eats is sugar, okay? And, and he, it is just sugar upon sugar upon sugar. So here is the analogy for our time in talking about expectations and a service. Yes? Okay. I am not here to blame. I am just here to make sure you don't think that I would do this. Um, and so, um, yeah. So, by way of analogy, I cannot remember every meal I've had for 34 years. Okay? Are we all, to, are we all in agreement? Can you remember every meal you've had for the past 20, uh, let's, see, let's see here, 15 uh, to 80 years? Can you remember every meal that you've had? Anybody? Keep a log? Know what you've ate? No. But you can look at yourself, and the movie Supersize Me would be a good illustration of this is a gentleman who recorded himself going to McDonald's for 30-some-odd days in a row, and if they said, would you like it to be supersized, he said yes, and he had to eat that. And so he ate at McDonald's for three meals a day for 30 days. And you could see, okay, his color change. He gained weight. He couldn't do some of the same things that he had done prior. That's the whole documenting if McDonald's was your life, okay? Now, I can't remember every single meal that I've had, but after 34 years, I can look at myself and my color and my ability and if I can run and all these different things and say, you know what? I've had a well-balanced nutritional habit, okay? When it comes to church, we can't remember every single sermon we've ever had, every single song we've ever sung, every single prayer that we've ever prayed. But you can look at 10 years of being at FCBC, and you can look at yourself and go, now again, the church, you can't blame the church for, I'm just not growing there. The church is not responsible for your growth. It provides opportunities for you to grow. But who is responsible for your growth? Okay, so just want to clarify that before. Okay, I didn't grow there. The pastors love hearing that. Thank you. Um, and, uh, but it's just not true um, because you're responsible for you. You can't remember every sermon, can't remember every prayer, can't remember every song, but you can look over 10 years and see, based upon being in that community, I either have a well-balanced diet or I do not. This would be an obvious, you know, sugar. Now, are there times where you just got to grab a snack on the go? Are there imbalanced meals? Are there imbalanced sermons? Yes. There's going to be weeks where you're going to say, Josh, you didn't touch upon the free will aspect. You just hit that God is sovereign. Like you hit God is sovereign all the way through Ruth. Yes. And guess what? There'll be a different series that will emphasize the freedom of man's will and how men makes decisions. But you're not going to get that just by coming every once in a while and saying, you didn't talk all about prayer. You're right. I didn't. I can't get all of that into one meal. But if you stay here long enough, you can probably see whether you've been balanced or not. So I'm going to ask you to evaluate, do we have a balanced diet of prayer in our church? Or are we lopsided with just one aspect of prayer that we really like. That's what, that's what the conversation is going to be about. So, when we come to the Lord's Prayer, can we all open up to Matthew chapter 6? I want you to shout out. Actually, you know what? Take, take a minute. Read through it. Discuss with the person beside you. Dimensions, categories, topics... Is it, uh, those are all three words I'm trying to say are synonymous, okay? Look at the Lord's Prayer, discuss together for two minutes what you see as categories or topics or dimensions. 
different ranges of prayer topics in the Lord's Prayer. You can discuss it with anybody that's beside you. Make a friend. Welcome to Sunday School. And you'll get candy if you answer. All right, let's bring it together. I know it was uh, maybe, uh, was that too quick? Give me a look, like, okay, category. Can somebody shout out a category or an aspect of prayer, a dimension of prayer that you saw in the Lord's Prayer? Pat. It is a model, yes. So we are not going to say that this is a rote thing with a magical formula to get prayer. When you pray, he says, pray like this. He doesn't say, pray this, right? So if we're going to pray like this, and this is a model prayer, what would be the categories that we would want to include, dimensions, aspects? Help me out, another word. Is that enough? Okay, great. Provision. Provision. As a category, we are to ask for our provisions. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Acknowledging His holiness as a category of prayer. Yes. Praising God would be a, a big category, right? Where do you see that? Hallowed be thy name. So, so a category of adoration and, and, and uh, a category of uh, acknowledging his character attributes. Yes, Kara. Okay. Would you include that in adoration? Where would you put the your kingdom come, your will be done? How would you? Prophecy? Okay, prophetic, your kingdom come, your will be done. 
It's not now? Okay. Good. You see confession? Forgive us. Okay, so we've had Thanksgiving, prophetic, kingdom come, surrender. Uh, Lori, then Steve. Okay. Absolutely. Um, Steve. Reverence in our prayer as a category? Sure. Rick. The order of prayer. Okay, and so if we were to model this in our service, because what we're getting at is, I'm going to ask you if I have your permission to lead you to a service order change to include more prayer that would be based off of this model. And so does the order matter? Should we begin with praise? Okay, does praise lead you into the others? Does praise impact whether you would even ask for certain things? Yeah. Can you imagine being an eight-year-old boy who has a broken truck? I can. Okay, I have one of those. Uh, he, he's seven, but, you know, broken. And I say, Hudson, it's okay. You have a relative you have no idea about, and he has just given you $100 million. Now, does he have a category for $100 million as an eight-year-old? For a relative that he's never met. Does that gift mean anything to him? He's still going to cry because why? That truck that is right there in front of his face is broken. But when we begin with praise and perspective of who God is, and we actually know who he is, then it leads us to rejoice in the gifts that he's given us. And it allows us to bring large petitions that we can bring because they are fit for such a king as that we have, right? Awesome. Okay. So confession, thanksgiving, uh, kingdom come, petitioning our needs, as Doug said. Anybody else? Categories that we... Yes. Being honest in our prayers, okay. Spiritual feeding, okay. Uh, knowing that daily bread isn't just physical food, perhaps. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Live by bread alone. Okay. Great. Oh, yeah. Okay. Deliver us from evil. Yeah, where is there struggling for holiness in our prayers? You know, pleading with each other in a church service, you know, for an urgency uh, to be about uh, God's righteousness being seen in our life, but deliver us from evil. That, that isn't just like, Lord, I just hope I just don't like stumble today, and I hope I just don't like accidentally slip and make that mistake. This is deliver us from evil. And those are some big words, right? Is there that kind of urgency? Um, all right, anybody else? Categories? What about um, secret and private? Secret and private. Okay, so show me where you'd see that in this. Yeah. And giving Mary in secret, and your father who sees you in secret will reward you in secret. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. 
So balanced diet, we'll apply that analogy. Is it ever wrong to make petitions for our needs? No. Is it wrong to pray for someone's broken arm like we did for Bryce this week? No. Is it wrong to pray for the salvation of souls in Tanzania? No. Is it wrong to pray in public? Because the very first words of the Lord's Prayer is, whose father? How do you do that only thinking about yourself in your private prayer closet? You have to at least kind of mentally go with, I am coming into God's presence with an innumerable host of people that call upon the name of the Lord. So, I mean, there is the one thing that's missing in the Lord's Prayer, guess what, is a singular personal pronoun. There is no my. There is no me. Every aspect is our or us. That, so we have to have the balance. Private prayer, yes. Public prayer, yes. Maybe we're lopsided in that. You're going to see some of that tension there. Any other categories before we move on? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so here's just some questions for us to think through as far as our order of service. And you've been here for 10 years, or I have been here for 10 years. I have helped lead it, so this is not blaming anyone. I'll take all of it. But here's some questions for us. Is praise and thanksgiving offered to proclaim the character of God and to honor his name regularly here? Do we have times of just praise without asking for things? Would you consider that, that a normal habit of our church worship service where we just have prayers of praise only? Prayers of praise. This is all about prayer. Are we balanced in that? Okay. Sharon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'd have to say no as well. They, they can be, sure. Yep. I'm not trying to say that that's not, uh, but specifically thinking about uh, people leading us in praise through prayer, not making the song your prayer. Um, let, let's kind of just keep moving on here. Is there a kingdom focus to our prayer and praises? Um, does the pattern of our prayer together help us acknowledge our sins and God's forgiveness? Uh, Emily mentioned confession. H how do you confess your sins as a church corporately? Okay. This would be a real big challenge for us, I think, to think through, and that is all of us praying in church is not just 100 people having their private devotions with God or 200 people having their private devotions with God. There is a corporate element. 
So if you read Daniel, does Daniel confess sins for the nation? Does he lead in a confession? So when we lead in congregational prayer, if we're going to add confession to our congregational prayer order of service, we would be praying sins that we, we would be guilty of as a church. Sometimes, I think, if we're talking about balance, I think in our church we focus on a lot of individual needs. I don't think we have a balance of thinking about the church. We want to see this done in our community. We want to confess these sins of negligence. It is uh, this specific person with this specific need. And the liability is we don't get everybody's prayer request. We don't know everybody's needs. We could only focus on only the public ones. So, being trying to be gracious here, but trying to be honest and transparent, it is hard as a pastor to think through how to pray for Todd Cheeseman. It seemed like everybody knew him, and everybody is behind that. But as a pastor, I do know this, that when we prayed for Todd Cheeseman every single week, and we didn't pray for somebody else with the same fervency or regularity, it also sent a message. Amen? And you could come to church feeling overlooked, and what, my problem isn't big enough? Does the pastor not, does the pastor not like me? We can send the message that the pastors have their favorites they pray for if we don't pray for the church. Okay, push back on that. That, that would be a new thing I've never verbalized. <laughs> Am I in hot water? Okay. <laughs> I've been praying, Lord, lead me in this conversation because um, I feel bad about only praying sometimes for certain people. And that's great, but there's, we, we leave off others. So, Dan. Amen. And we would have church sins that we would be guilty of, not just personal sins that we would do as a group, that we would be biased, that we'd show favoritism, or that we would neglect a certain group of people, or that we're internally focused. I mean, we could, we could get better at that, right? This is going to take growth and stretching us. Linda?
Yeah. That's great. So a couple things to kind of respond to that is we would like to model how to pray because we believe that everything we do here teaches. And if we want you to grow in your prayer, we should model what that looks like as a church. So if we want to teach confession, should there be confession? If you never hear anybody confess because you're not in a small group and you've only done it by yourself, uh, then then there needs to be model that. You don't know how to praise, then, then let's model that. So many, many, many godly men from years past took great pains to organize a service because they believe everything that the service modeled and did communicated with this is how you do it in your private life. And your private life should make it rich here. You shouldn't just do it for show, but what you see here is what you do at home. And I think what we have is that we have seen a certain model and a certain, you know, petitions. Well, let's just ask the question, where do the petitions come in the Lord's Prayer, beginning or end? At the end, at the end. There's nothing wrong with making petitions, but it comes at the end. Now, is there a time when you're driving on the road and it's snowy like last night and you're sliding off the road that you should begin with adoration? <laughs> and then you should lead to confession. And then you should, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, and then by that time you've, you've hit the tree, okay? Um, no, you, you can have those urgent prayers where you just go right to the Lord with a need. I'm not saying you can't, right? Well-balanced meal. Are there times where you just grab sugar? Are there times where your meal is all protein? Yes. And there are times where you just got to go to the Lord with your need. Nehemiah goes to the Lord right before he asks the king for all the supplies, he didn't have a lot of time. He was walking in, and the king says, why are you downcast? You got seconds to give an answer. But it says in the Bible, and he prayed. We don't know what he prayed, but I, my sanctified imagination, not biblically correct, would say that it was a quick prayer, and it was, Lord, let me find success with the king. G give me favor with the king, something like that. So we're kind of in uh, an understanding of the categories. Can uh, Shirley, do you mind just throwing up on the screen? a potential uh, order of service. Again, this is not mandated. It's the same number of songs, um, and they will be the same balance of hymns and praise teams, so please don't get concerned about that. It's just a matter of just kind of organizing our, at different points in time, prayer. So we begin with prayers of adoration as a call to worship in the church. There's times of confession or lament. Not everybody comes to church happy. Some of us have really hard things, and there are more lament psalms that we learn through Ruth than there are any other kind of psalm. And so how can we grieve as a church, right? It's okay to grieve. Then prayers of assurance. We need to know that we're forgiven. We need to know that we have peace with God. Uh, you can't just confess your sins and go, well, was that good enough? Oh, we need to hear back from Scripture. And then uh, I wanted to just do the congregational prayer at the end. It seems that's what's modeled in Scripture and to end with making those requests. Um, so again, this is just a template um, and would like to have your permission and feedback uh, in the next coming weeks to lead us in that way. Um, to Again, I thought that it would be safe to say pray more and who would disagree with that? But I want to go back to that expectation things. It's pray more and it might not be in a style that you like all the time. The, the congregational prayer time, we'll pray over all the needs that were written, but sometimes we like to have them read and written down and, and an interaction given. 
and sometimes we like it when we can pray to the person beside us that really meant a lot to you on that Sunday in New York. It might look like that one week, but it might not look like that the next week. How are we doing with those expectations when we don't pray the way that we like someone to pray? Is it the categories that are more important, or is it the style? And I think that just, I'm just going to ask us to kind of grow through that. Ross. But even if the elders don't change anything theologically, church can be disappointing when the pastor or the elders change the social contract. The social contract between us is we have slips of paper, you write down your prayer requests on them, they will be prayed for. The social contract for many of us is even they will be read first, people have the chance to write them down, and then we will pray over them. That's our social contract. Now, none of us would say that it would be theologically wrong just to pray the request, right? That wouldn't be wrong. But the way we do things is that we read them, we engage that person, and then we pray. Some of us, if that changes, the social contract has been broken and they are, our church is not our church anymore. And I just wanted to let you know that I am completely aware of that. I'm not trying to do away with it. But if we are doing this, there might be times where I'm asking you to consider, is the style that much of a social contract for you that it's going to really hurt? And if we don't have buy-in and lead this gracefully and in the right time, uh, then we'll just have to work through that, all right? Um, and I want you to know that I care about you, and I know that meaningful ways of worship make you want to come here, or else you could go to Grace Capital, or you could go to Trinity, or you could go to Harvest Bible Church. All of those have different styles of worship. And a lot of you like the way that we do it here. We're just trying to suggest that we need to have a balanced diet about our prayer so that we don't send the message that prayer is give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And if congregational prayer time is only individual needs that we pray for without praise, without confession, without kingdom focus, without even sometimes spiritual needs, it's just physical needs, then maybe we're out of balance in our prayer. We don't have a balanced diet. Is that, you want to push back on that, Tim? You don't already have his hand up. Okay. Uh, I'll repeat them, so go for it.
So the, the, the time has been waived. We want to end with this discussion of how do we actually do this together? How do we pray together so it isn't just one person praying up front? A couple quick things in your notes. First one here, you must be present. It's kind of a duh statement, but in order to pray together, guess where you have to be? Here. I, I do want to challenge you on this. Are you more willing to ask for prayer on the prayer chain and through Facebook than you are to actually pray with somebody. Are you more willing to ask for prayer? And I'm going to say that you actually, the people actually pray for it, okay? We read them, we pray for it. But are we more willing to ask over those venues than we actually are to get together and pray with somebody? So there's prayer before the service starts. If you'd like to join us, 745 in that room, there is prayer in the evening at 6 o'clock. If you want to pray with people, Okay, then in our services, we pray together through the congregational prayer. It takes your whole body to catch a baseball, correct? If your hand does not engage <laughs> and the baseball is winning and your eye sees it, what is going to happen? You're going to get hit. Every part of the body has to be praying even though one person might be leading it. So the duck looks like it's gliding across the water, but beneath the surface, what is everybody doing? The legs are going. There might be one person that looks like he's gliding to the Lord in prayer, but how do we as a church pray with that person? Let's talk it out. What are some tips, techniques? How do you engage when one person is praying in the church so that we are actually praying together, not just going to sleep or daydreaming? Because we've all been there. I've, I've been there, all right? How do you engage? Okay. Can we practice saying amen as a church? Okay. Maybe at different points there's pauses and the church just says amen. We keep praying or at the end and all God's people said. And, you know, and there is that sense of, man, we are together in this. What else? So you engage more. Okay. All right. Anybody else? It is. It is. Amen. Amen. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
Sure. Right. We just got to be careful not to reduce it to a technique or a certain way. We can't guarantee that that's going to happen because we said it in this way or because the prayer requests were done in this way. So we pursue him, and the byproduct is we get the Spirit. You don't ever pursue happiness. You'll miss it. Blessed is the man, okay, who does not walk, does not stand, does not sit, but his light is in the law of the Lord. Guess what he becomes? He becomes a blessed man because he's not pursuing happiness. He's pursuing who? The Lord, and then the experience comes. So it is a subtle thing to go, I want the experience, or do I want the Lord? So just remember, the experience is a byproduct of meeting with the Lord. All right, um, we probably need to put this together in practice. So um, the buttons and uh, Rachel, come on up, and um, we can discuss more of these topics later. But we'd like to, as a church, learn to pray together. Some of it uh, is going to be learning to say we and are as a church body. Uh, some of it's going to be to add confession, uh, adoration, prayer requests in it. Um, some of it is, uh, is going to be to be able to say amen together and to pray underneath the surface. So, um, I want to throw this out to you guys. We're probably, we're, we're at a good time, uh, but I want this to be as, um, as involved as all of us. So, I don't expect myself to be the only one praying here. So, how could we, right now, we have uh, people that we, yep, Five weeks to a better uh, control, self-control. Um, we have people that uh, we get to pray with and for. Uh, let's begin with the category of adoration. Okay, we're going to begin with that. Then I'll try, try to move us, okay, from adoration to your kingdom. Okay, then we're going to do some confession as a church, right? And then we can make some requests. Can we try to work that out together? I don't want to be the only one praying. I also would say that if you have a 10-minute prayer, this is not the time. <laughs> it is just to say a sentence or two that is your prayer and then to allow somebody else to join in. When somebody ends their prayer, could we actually practice all saying amen together if you agree? Is that, am I pushing this too fast already? <laughs> Laura's looking at me like, go ahead, start packing. <laughs> 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 Um, so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, Tanzania, welcome. Um, we went out to dinner with them at Olive Garden, and they already asked. So, uh, so yeah, let's see, where'd that go? There we go. Um, so, we're going to begin with adoration. Can we pray as a church together? And we'll begin with a couple minutes of adoration, then we'll move to your kingdom come. All right, let's pray. Um, anybody that's willing to open it up right now? Tim, thanks.
I'm sorry, can we look up here real quick? I just, man, I just think of all these things. We have three people up here that are like, they're like on like a stage. Is that loving? No, let, let's bring them in here. Let's stand. We're going to pray with them. If you can stand, okay, we're going to show that we're partnering, okay, let's, you know, get near them. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. That was uh, just not thoughtful. It was old-fashioned. Here's the stage. Okay, so we're praying together, and uh, we're beginning with just an adoration of who God is. Okay, that, that's kind of the category. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. How are we going to lift it to him? And then we'll move in through that. All right, so I apologize for not thinking through that well. All right, let's continue in, in praise. <clears throat> 